Um, if you don't know, my name's Corey. I, my primary function here at the church is I work with a uh, high school youth group. Um, and I've been doing that here. I think this is, I think this is year six or something. It doesn't feel like it, but I think this is year six. Um, and when Byron mentioned that he was going to be out of town and asked if I would be willing to share, um, I thought this would be a really cool opportunity to kind of share with the broader church body a little bit about what we've been talking about in high school youth group this year. Um, so just to kind of give you guys some of that same experience that the, the youth are getting. Um, so we're going to split down the middle, and we're going to get out dodgeballs. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Wouldn't that be awesome, though? That would be a different kind of church service. Uh, now, I've, kinda, I've tried to formulate a little the way that we've been um, talking about stuff into, you know, like a normal church sermon to give to you all. But I think, it's, I think it's applicable. I think it'll be good. Um, but this year we've been talking about truth. And that's something that the Lord put on my heart last summer, you know, for this coming school year is just talking through truth. And then because we're talking through truth, we spent a good bit of time talking about lies. So that's where we're going to be talking this morning. But just kind of some background, because I can't, I, I would really love to fit eight months of Wednesday night content into this morning's message. But I, I think that's probably unrealistic or we'd be here till like in the afternoon sometime. So I'm going to um, condense it and just talk about some of the stuff we talked about. So this is going to be a recap for some of y'all. Um, but for everybody else, it'll be brand new. Hooray! So truth. Um, so just kind of working through, um, we spent some time just laying some groundwork on what is truth. You know, first of all, identifying that there is such a thing as truth, right? At least for a while, it was really in vogue that truth was a relative concept. And what's, you know, true for me may not be true for you. Well, th- that's dumb, Right, that's not even that's not even logical, right? So we, we work through things like this is true, it's always true, doesn't matter what kind of mood you're in, doesn't matter where your headspace is at, this is true. And we worked through some of those things and we actually identified some what we called foundational truths. These things are always true. So that whatever situation you're in, you can fall back and say, Okay, I know that this is true. So like the first one that we came up with was, you know, God is God. So whatever the situation is, no matter what, how you feel about it, what you're thinking, you can fall back and say, okay, God is God. Now let me work through this situation. That's going to come back in a, in a little bit, and we'll, we'll get back up with that. Um, but because we're talking about truth, obviously we talked a little bit about Jesus, right? Who is truth. You know, it's a claim that he makes about himself in the book of John. Um, when the disciples are heading with him from the upper room at the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane. John's amazing. I love this part of the book where he's like cramming in all this additional content that he can to give to the disciples. And so, uh, at least in John's book, John records like this whole sermon that Jesus gives to the disciples while they're working their way towards the garden. And one of the statements that he makes about himself is, I am truth. Right? So we know that Jesus is the embodiment of truth, which I think is good. It gives us context and it gives us a way to wrap our head around how we interact with truth. I think it's also good because it, it gives us context about how we interact with lies. Right? Because if Jesus is truth, what is antithetical to Jesus? Well, that's the devil. Right? And later or earlier on in the book of John, Jesus walks through the devil's role as being the father of lies. Right? He says in, um, this is John 8, 44, he says, There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar 
and the father of lies. So we get this juxtaposition of Jesus as the truth and Satan as the exact opposite of that, the father of lies. So as a group, we work through, you know, what are some of the lies that the devil tells us to get under our skin and to mess with us and to mess with our walk? And how can we you know, consciously combat that? Like, how can, we, how can we be prepared to work through those issues when they arise? And so just, um, I'm going to work through a couple of those things, but want to lay a little bit of groundwork. Because today, specifically, I'm going to be talking about relationships and how the devil does that in our relationships. So I think that covers a broad swath of information, so I think that'll, I think that'll be good. Um, but let me start by saying this. We are created for relationship. Right? In the beginning, God created, and he created people in his image and his, and his likeness, and we get to have relationship with him. And part of God's... Um, identity, part of his essence is the notion of community. That's one of the very first things that we learn about the Lord, um, you know, in Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, God. But that word for God is Elohim, which in the Hebrew is a plural noun. So right out of the gate, in the first five words of the Bible, one of the first things we learn is that in his nature, God is community. And we are created in his image, to participate in community with him, to have a relationship with him. And Jesus being the embodiment of truth, which we talked about, what better reason did he come than to solidify relationship, to solidify community with the Father, right? And now the veil is torn, and we have unfettered access to God. Remember, though, that the devil is the antithesis of Jesus, So what better thing for him to want to try to accomplish than to disrupt relationship? So that's what we're going to talk through. So the devil's a liar, right? He's the father of lies, and liar's going to lie. Also um, important to know that the devil is a jerk. So that's that's going to come up into play a couple times. So the first relationship that the devil would love to mess with you about is your relationship with the Lord. And he would love to tell you things about the Lord that just simply are not true. But like I said, the devil's a jerk. So he's going to tell you those things when it's the most effective for his master plan to mess with your relationship with him. So what's the worst possible scenario for us for the devil to lie to us? It's when bad things happen. Right? I mean, we've all, we've all experienced tragedy in some way, shape, or form. And the devil loves to interject the lie, attacking the Lord in those times, right? God is not God. Or maybe there is no God, depending on how he phrases it. And I, I mean, you know, I'm thankful a little bit that I think that struggling through doubts is part of the walk. You know, I, I, I think there's grace for that. And I'm so thankful because I... I How many times have we struggled with that notion in the midst of hard times? You know, especially when when we are requesting from the Lord for that hard time not to happen. And it happens anyway. And then emotionally, how do we deal with the fact that we feel let down by God? And so what the devil would love to say is, God doesn't care about you. Or God doesn't exist. Or God's not all-powerful. 
He's not going to help you out. There is a whole stream of um, Judaism that surfaced in like the 1950s about the Holocaust. It's called Holocaust theology. And they, they went down this stream of, well, um, an all-powerful God would not have allowed that to happen. Therefore, God is not all-powerful. And then the, their, their strain of theology goes from there. You know, it's, a, it's just a subsect. But you can see how trauma messes with people's minds. It puts us just in a bad place. And then all of a sudden, we're susceptible to believing all kinds of crazy things that aren't true. So at least in the youth group, what we were talking about is then being able to fall back on, okay, all right, pause. God is God. Okay, that's the foundational truth. I can rely on that. And maybe even, you know, being honest with the Lord, I don't know how that works in this Lord. See, I'm having a hard time seeing how you're God right now. But being honest with him and working through that, and I think the Lord honors that. I mean, if there's any indication of the way that David conversed with the Lord you know, in the Psalms, that, that we can have that kind of honest, open relationship with the Lord and be able to say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Where are you in the midst of this? And then you see what we're doing? I used the word already. We are having a relationship with the Lord, right? That's our purpose. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And even though the devil's trying to undo that, we can turn around and grow in the Lord anyway. And then on the other side of whatever that tragedy is, you know, the Lord promises he does, makes all, or brings all things, to good for the, um, all things together for the good of those who believe, right? So all of a sudden, it works out better for us. And it's easy looking back, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We know that. It's easy looking back and saying, oh, that's where you were. Ah, I get it. I think it's very similar for when God doesn't answer our prayers, right? I mean, has, has anybody here not had a prayer that they pray? In the, like, you know what I mean? Like, frequently... Stuff doesn't get answered. A lot of times it's because of what we're asking, but um, because we're human and we're like, oh, I'm right. I know what's best. I know this is the right prayer for me. Lord, answer it. Even if it's totally legitimate. Like the first example that came to my mind is when we had small babies. How many nights was I like, dear Lord, please let that baby sleep through the night. (laughs) Please, Lord, you know? And I'm like, you know, I'm totally going before the Lord and supplicating myself. I'm like, please. Or in the morning, I just need 30 more minutes of sleep. Please, Lord. You know, and and instantly the baby starts crying. And it's like, why, God? Why, you know? And that might be a bad example of, you know, then turning to, are you, do you even exist, Lord? You're not answering my prayers. But another example I, I, um, that came to my mind was um, I participated in a relay race a couple weeks ago. Like Ryan and Jacob Whitlow were on our team, and we ran from Asheville, North Carolina to Greenville, South Carolina. That's 73 miles. So my second leg was a six-mile run. It was a 10K through the mountains. And on mile one, I was like, dear Lord, you have got to make this easier. You need to send angels to lift me up so my feet are barely touching the ground. Otherwise, I am going to die. And mile two was really, really bad. And mile three was really, really bad. And it was in the midst of that badness that I was like, I, I need this. Lord, I, I, I need you to make this easier for me. Or I am not going to make it. Where are you? Where, come, you know? And then, I don't know, I was exhausted. So my thoughts weren't awesome, right? So I was like, are you even there? Do you even care about me? Because I, I was in this painful spot. I was like, where are those angels I was asking for? 
And then it was, you know, I was in the home, the home stretch. The home stretch is still awful. You know, you're running and, but this woman was just, we were running on a trail at that point, And this woman was running the other way. And she just smiled at me. She was not a part of the race. She was just out for her like Saturday afternoon jog. Like didn't have to be running, but chose to. And she just smiled at me and she said, you're almost done. And I was like, that's the angel I was looking for. <laughs> right? It was encouragement. And I finished. And afterwards, I was like, you know, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not making that easier. Because I overcame that. I powered through. And on the other side, I, can, I was victorious. I can do more than I used to. But in our, in our minds, we think, oh, I, I know so much. I'm so smart. I gave a whole message about this last year about how we can be like kids when we're praying. You know, our kids are like, I want ice cream for dinner. And they throw a fit. And we know so much better than they do. So we're like, no, you, you can't have ice cream for dinner. Well, how much more does the Lord know than I do to know you don't need to have this be easier for you, Corey? Or how much does he know for my kids? They need to wake up now. It's time for them to be. That's, that's hard to fathom a little bit, but... You know, God is God. Okay, all right. And I can, then I can work through it, right? But the devil's going to try and mess with your relationship with the Lord because I think by, by doing that, he makes us ineffective. If we're not engaging with the Lord, then we're not engaging with our calling and we're just not, we're not functioning the way that the Lord intended us to be. So I think that's what he's trying to accomplish. Um, something else that the Lord wants to do is he really, really wants to mess with your relationship with yourself. And he would love to tell you lies and get you to believe them about who you are. <laughs> the, the devil, right? Yeah, yeah. The lies that the devil tells you. This is, this is, one, this is a path that he's going to go down. One of the relationships that he's going to try and break to make you less effective. Now, if there's, a, if there's a message that I'm qualified to give, it's probably this one. I think this is a place that I was at for, I mean, maybe decades where I just really struggled with self and self-worth. And you know, if you've ever been in that place, you know what I'm talking about. Where it's just hard to appreciate yourself. And the devil will tell you lies like, you know, you're not good enough. You're not good or you're not, you know, whatever it is. I think it, a lot of times it has to do with your quality, right? You know, and how good we are. What a dirty trick. Gosh, he's a jerk. Um, But we then perhaps believe that. And I think he likes to emphasize if something has happened into our life, he likes to kind of tie those things together and be like, oh, well, look at this. See, that's evidence that you're not good enough. Here's the worst. This is the worst thing that we can do in that situation is we can partner with that lie. Have you ever done that? I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. Am I the only one? So, and you say something like that, and that's not true. That's a lie. But we start then participating with the lie and speaking it over ourselves. I was so fortunate that I have a Christie that my wife wouldn't tolerate that foolishness. She'd be like, stop it. And then she'd make me say something true about myself, which is if you're living in that, that place, that's not easy or fun to do. But, hey, 
It works. But it was funny, even this morning, <laughs> even this morning I walked out and I was like, God, oh, this message is awful. <laughs> and Christy's like, that's a lie. You need to speak truth. So I just, I'm, I'm very thankful that I have her to help me through those things because we can't, we just, we just can't participate in the work of the devil. Like that's nonsense, right? So get yourself a Christy. If you're struggling with that, um, somebody to call you into account. Even um, last, uh, last Wednesday at youth group, one of the youth shared, you know, I was talking to the Lord about this, and he reaffirmed me. He said, no, you're good. So if nothing else, get the Lord in involved in that conversation. Because, again, we're building relationship then. Lord, I don't feel very worthwhile. I, I, don't, I don't feel good about myself. And let him tell you something, something good. Um. Because then he'll, you know, he'll work you through that. It was funny, like, that's not something that I, thank the Lord, that's not really something I deal with anymore. Um, but even a couple weeks ago, the devil tried to lie to me about that. My brother Ryan, we're not wearing the same exact shirt, by the way. These are different. But he was, he was given a sermon. And afterwards, that rascal devil says, that was better than you. And I was like, what? Like, and I knew it wasn't my thought because I'm, I'm not competitive with my brother. That's our older brothers. They can have that part. I'm not, I'm, that's just not something I would even think. But he was trying to pull on that place that used to exist in my heart where I had issues with myself. And I was like, you jerk. I'm supposed to be celebrating. Like, it was a great word. I'm supposed to be receiving from the Lord and celebrating, you know, my brother. And you're trying to turn it all about me. Because that's what I think, I don't know. I don't know why. It's so ironic that the devil can take our focus away from the Lord by making us feel bad about ourselves because then we turn inward. And again, then we're not effective. And our relationship with the Lord's not growing and we're not living out of that place. Instead, we're so focused on ourselves. Isn't that, I just, I don't know why that, that strikes me as so curious that the Lord can make us so self-focused by making us so self-conscious. And then we just can't accomplish what we need to accomplish. Um, other thing I want to talk about is how the devil will, um, try to affect your relationship with other people. Um, oh, really quick. Sorry. I thought of something before I go on to that. Um, even when Ryan was praying this morning, guys, about the Lord being our provider, has that anything that the devil's ever attacked about your ability to provide for your family? I know, I, I know when we were newly, newly married, I had a sense that I was our family provider and that that was my responsibility and within months, I didn't have a job. And, uh, you know, I did not feel great about myself or my ability to provide for my new wife. The Lord's my provider, right? No job I have ever had is my provider. I get to partner with him in provision for my family, which I'm thankful for. But it's not my responsibility, and even at those times, like, you know, you hear those crazy stories about people like getting money out of the blue. We had somebody show up in the middle of the night. Well, not in the middle of the night, you know, late at night one night and just gave us a check for rent that month. We would not have been able to pay for rent if it wasn't for that. So the Lord is my provider. And then I got, you know, a job offer to milk goats for the summer, which you only do when you're desperate. 
right? Nobody goes out of their way to be like, I'm going to milk goats all summer. Because <laughs> the first day, it was like, okay, well, we got to muck these goat stalls. And I'm standing in this, like, you know, ankle deep in all the goat stuff. And I'm like, this is awful. I am, in, and on top of that, like, on a farm, right? I am, I was at that point, deathly allergic to hay. And there's hay everywhere. You know, I'm like, this is not awesome. But at the, at the time, it was like, this is provision for my family. So, you know, what, it is what it is. But that relationship led to another relationship where I got to teach at Mooresville Christian Academy for five years, which, you know, how many kids do I get to pour into their lives? So totally worth it, even through the allergy attacks and the giving goat shots. And have you ever thrown a goat? They don't want to be thrown. But if they, if they escape, sometimes you have to throw them and they don't like it. It's not, it's not fun. And then they like, and they, it's, just, it's just not good. That was a crazy job. The point of that story is the Lord is our provider. So guys, if that's ever something that you've struggled or the Lord has attacked your sense, uh, or the devil, sorry, has attacked your sense of being a provider. Just keep correcting me if I do that, Dan. Right? The Lord is my provider. Find a truth that you know to be true. Fall back on that and then, and then work your way through the emotions from there. Okay. So next step is the devil wants to attack our relationship with other people. Right? And he's going to lie to us and tell us things about those people that aren't true. That's kind of how the devil is. Again, he's mean, right? Um, or something like, crazily enough, something maybe like they're not good enough. And then we end up judging them. It's like the alternate tactic to, if he can get us to turn inward and focus on our lack of quality, perhaps he can get us to focus on somebody else's lack of quality. And then out of judgment, we're still breaking relationship, right? There's not growth in that situation, on Wednesday night, we were talking about gossip and how, you know, that's just a tool that the devil uses to break relationship. And we specified on Wednesday night that gossip isn't just saying untruths about people, but it's having conversations about people that aren't your business to have. So I think at least for a high school context, that was important to clarify. Um, but I think that's something that we can get in the habit of. And then judgment is just the next step from there. Can you believe what they did? Oh, 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 that's not healthy or good. Right? We need to be having mercy for their situation, pouring into relationship, not pulling out of it. Right? Because that's what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to get us to pull out of a relationship and break relationship. Um, and if we can combat that, then all of a sudden we are participating in relationship again, which is, which is ideal. Um, gosh, there's this new, there's this new Johnny Swim song. If you don't know who the band Johnny Swim is, I'm so sorry for you. Um, they have this song called Read the Bells. Dean, have you heard this song yet? Oh my gosh, Jenny needs to like download it yesterday. But they have this song called Ring the Bells and there's just this line in it that goes, mercy will not be, how does it phrase it, Chris? Mercy will not be rationed here. And I was like, oh my gosh, what an amazing line. That's how we need to have a relationship. That's how we need to treat other people, right? With unlimitless, limitless mercy. Not judgment. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Or I can't believe that happened. But in the midst of whatever situation is have mercy for them. Because wouldn't we want them to have mercy for us? If that's 
something that we were struggling with? I think so, right? And then in the midst of that, we can build relationship, which is fantastic. Um, what about getting angry at people? Has anybody ever done you wrong? <laughs> You're laughing. Is that? Yeah, right? People, people do us wrong because guess what? They're people, right? We do people wrong because guess what? We're people. That's the kind of, we just, we make mistakes, and we step on people's toes, and we get offended, and we offend. Which is just, that's part of family, isn't it? Something that we practice with in our households. But if this is our family, we need to be practicing it with our broader family as well. Working through those things. I'm sorry. It's okay, right? I mean, because that's just, that's building relationship. The worst possible thing we can do is to hold on to those things, right? When we won't forgive somebody for something that happened. Because that, that doesn't affect them, typically, nearly as much as it affects us. Because, again, that's turning us inward, and we're focusing on this emotion that we have and choosing to, you know, deal with it in a way that's just not healthy, and then we, we can't move past it and we get bound up. Anybody? Am I, am I the only one? But if we can forgive people, we can move past it. We can get free. And then again, we can build relationship. Because no relationship's perfect. Even though we wish it was. Right? I wish that I never had to fight with my wife. But through fighting, we ha- find growth. Or argument. I don't know that we fight that often, but... Through, through very serious conversations, <laughs> we, we grow as people and we grow as a couple and we grow as a family because that makes us be- better parents for our kids. Or what about this one? Um, this is something I, I, I used to have to deal with and um, don't as much anymore, but have, have you ever been imaginarily slighted by somebody? <laughs> Where in your head you think of a situation and a person, and how they would act in that situation, and then you get really angry at them. Has that ever happened? I was reading um, I was reading the Screw Tape Letters. If you haven't read read that, I highly recommend it. C.S. Lewis, it's amazing, but it's really about like um the main character or you know the primary person that they talk about is um, Screw Tape, who is a demon. I don't know if that's the exact term that C.S. Lewis uses. But then he's like, he's journaling or um, pen palling back and forth with his minions who are trying to mess with this brand new Christian. And in this, the minion starts talking about how he put this imaginary notion in the dude's head about this other person that didn't really do a thing, but he made him like think through like, what's the worst possible thing that Bob would do in this situation? And then Peter got really upset at Bob over it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do that. I totally imagined situations at that time. It was my cousin who was one of my best friends, but drove me crazy. And I would imagine him doing something ridiculous and like how upset, like it would actually make me. I was like, that's ridiculous. But that was just one of the tricks that he used to create dissonance in my relationship with my cousin. Cause then I would have to work through my emotions. Next time I saw him, you dirty jerk, that thing you did, which he didn't actually do, but I was buying into it. Because imagination is a powerful thing. I think um, I, I'm thankful. I'm thankful a little bit that you know we can grow 
and we can move past stuff, right? If we were caught up in our, our histories, that would be unfortunate, right? But we get to grow. So with that in mind, I just think, I think that especially these last two sets of lies are kind of like old t-shirts. You guys have that old t-shirt that's like, like holy and like too big for you and like smelly maybe a little bit, but it's really comfortable. When you ever interact with lies like that, like, oh, this is, it's, just, it's just more comfortable to hold on to this lie and to have it as part of my identity than it is to get rid of it. I think that's how it was for me, especially with just the way that I felt about myself, was that it was, it was just part of me at that point. It had, it had been there long enough that I owned it. It was mine. I deserved it. Gosh, that's not, that's not a good way to feel about anything, I don't think. You ever feel that way about your anger towards somebody? I've been wronged, and I deserve to be mad at this person. I'm going to hold on to my anger until they apologize. I don't, that's just not, that's not our role as followers of Christ. But, it's comfortable. And so we hold on to it like we do that T-shirt that surely people in here have that T-shirt or I've had that T-shirt that you just need to get rid of. Like you don't need that T-shirt anymore. It's, it, you need to outgrow that T-shirt and just move on. Um, or throw it out, throw it away, burn it, whatever you have to do. My first Camp Morley T-shirt is that T-shirt for me. Or the gray one. It is now like five sizes too large and it's got holes and it's worn out and I'm having a hard time moving on. (laughs) But if that's how you feel about things that the devil has told you, you need to make a conscious decision to move on, to throw that thing out and to move forward. Um. When, gosh, this is an amazing, amazing conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees. You know, Jesus is sassy. He's having this conversation with the Pharisees and John. And he's like, you're serving your father and I'm serving my father. And these are the things you're doing. And they're like, what are you talking about serving our father? Like, you know, we're sons of Abraham. We're good Jews. And then Jesus is like, just keeps talking about something like, yeah, but you're serving your father. And I'm serving my father. If you were serving my father, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And they're like, well, we're all sons of God here, right? And they're all pious about it. And she's like, no, you're serving your father, the devil. Holy smokes. And he just started with that. Like he led in with, you're serving your father and I'm serving my father. I mean, he wasn't, gosh, that's harsh, isn't it? But he was talking about this notion of, you know, believing lies or not believing lies or serving lies. And they were serving lies. Specifically, in that instance, they were attacking Jesus, and they wanted him out of the picture. And Jesus led, after telling them, pointing out that they were serving the devil, that you need to get the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's no better way to combat lies than with truth, right? You turn from a tactic that the devil uses back to the person of Jesus, if he is the truth, there's no better way to combat anything that the devil will, will do than through truth.
So if you're caught up in, oh, I'm so stupid, stop. I'm not stupid. I don't know. I mean, what, you know, what do you need to say in that moment? I'm a child of God. What foundational truth, what thing do you know to be true can you fall back on? God loves me. Okay. I don't really feel that way right now, Lord, but I know that to be true. So help me work through my emotions. Right. And at least then we're speaking truth into a situation. And from the mouth of Jesus, the truth will set you free. It's funny, even on, um, even on the way, I, yeah, I was okay this morning, other than my little laps where I was like, this message isn't very good. Then we pulled into church, and I saw new people. I was like, oh, visitors. Now I have to impress them. <laughs> and I was like, if I mess up, like, Tony will forgive me. But now I have to be impressive. And, the, and I was like, like, you know, that was not, that's not my thought. That's not the right thought. I wasn't, you know, what? So this is um, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Oh, I totally lost it. He said, gosh, this was really good. He said, for we live, for even though we live in the world, we do, not, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive, captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I want to encourage you this morning that your capacity to partner with Jesus in truth-telling is your weapon against the strongholds that are going on in your mind. We get to counteract the lies that the devil would have us believe about the Lord, about ourselves, about other people, but really about every situation by partnering with Jesus and telling truth. And that's not hard. But... You have to take captive every thought. Because like, you know, I don't know. I had nothing to do with what I was planning on talking about. Right? It just popped into my head. And if I wasn't on the lookout for that, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I need to perform. Well, that's not true. Right? So I got to partner with truth and say, you know, Lord, this is your message. You know, it's on you now at this point. You can accomplish what you want to accomplish. So what I'd, um, what I'd like to do, if, um, Jacob, if you guys want to come up, we'll have the, the worship team play a bit, and then I'd like to pray for us, if that's okay. Because ultimately, my thought, guys, for this, um, you know, obviously these weren't the exact same messages that I gave to the high school youth group, but I think there's value value here. And I would, I would be ecstatic if there were people in here that needed to get free from some stuff, if they got free from some stuff. So what I'd like to do is to just pray corporately. I'll pray for you guys and invite you all to take captive every thought. Is there a lie that you're buying into that's not for you to have? And I'm going to, I'm just going to pray Yes, and say seated, but just, you know, in faith, at least partner with me on this, okay? Because I think there's, I think there's value to be had here.
But Lord, we just come, come before you this morning, Lord. And we just present our, our minds and our thoughts to you. God, and our desire is to grow in relationship with our daddy. Because only, only in the midst of a relationship with you are we going to know what we're here for, what we're doing. Are we going to feel the calling that we have in our life? Are we going to be able to function in the kingdom like you've called us to? So Lord, I just pray that you would help us through this. If there's a part in our mind, Lord, that we have bought into a lie, I just pray that you would identify that right now. If there's any untruths that we're believing, whether it's about ourselves whether it's about our concept of who you are or about, you know, whatever it is, Lord, if there is on truth in us, I say you point that out to us right now. And then I'm going to ask the, um, the ministry team to come forward. And I'm going to invite participation in speaking truth. If you feel like there's an area that you need to conquer, that you've been believing a lie or stuck in a situation because of lies that the enemy have told you, come up and get prayer. Please don't leave without doing that. And you can participate with a member of the ministry team in speaking truth of your life. And if you can't do it, they will. Because I know, I know sometimes that's hard. If you're just not feeling it to speak truth, let them speak truth over you. But at least come up and let them identify with you what the lie is. Or you can say, you know, Charlie, I believe this. I don't think it's true, but I believe it. And let them pray with you. You know, if you have any other thing going on that you need prayer for too, take advantage of this awesome team. Right? Have time with the Lord this morning. You know, the worship team is going to play through, um, play for a little bit while we're doing ministry. If you are in a personal place where you just need to interact with the Lord, even if it's not coming up here and being with the worship team, do that. You have the freedom to do that. You got 10 full minutes before we're wrapping up. That's amazing. So take time, enjoy the Lord. If you're good, awesome, bless you. Pray for somebody else. Because there's enough enough of us who are messed up that we could use your prayer. But then go and have a blessed day. Love y'all.
show.